all in. God enables us and is enabling us to perform the tasks and the, the things that He wants us to perform. And what we're going to do this morning is a little bit different than what we've done in, in the past. What we're going to do at the end of the message is actually have a time of response where we're reflecting upon what it is that God is doing in our life. How is He speaking to us through His Word? As we pray to God, we're going to take prayer and turn it slightly different and have a different focus upon our prayer life. Now, it's certainly biblical what we find in Ephesians chapter number 3. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And in this series, All In, we've been discussing and discovering the truth and the principles in the in Christ statements that are found throughout the book of Ephesians. And in this book of Ephesians, there's absolutely tremendous truth that is coming out. But our challenge through this series is to connect and grow and serve, not in our own strength and not in our own ability, but to do that in Christ. And it's incredible what God can accomplish when we allow him to work in us and through us. We've all tried to do things in our own strength and our own power. And we've tried to do life on our own. And we've come up absolutely short every single time. And in a moment of, of actual, we, we think of it as weakness, but it's actually the moment of true power that we hand ourselves over to God through Jesus Christ, asking him to save us from our sins. And that's the moment of actual strength that we find that we don't have to connect and grow and serve on our own any longer. We get to do it in Christ. Our principle for today is this. And every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. And this week's principle is this. God enables me in Christ through the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ephesians, there are two prayers that are recorded by the Apostle Paul. The first one is in the first chapter. And he's beginning in this first chapter. And he's talking to this church in Ephesus. And this church in Ephesus has been going one direction in their lives and their culture for generation after generation. And the lifestyle and the absolute debauchery involved in their, their, their worship in their temple was absolutely disgusting. And it's in their mind and their whole culture and their mindset is filled with that. And then Jesus Christ comes into their lives and they don't just make a little turn. They make a 180 degree turn and begin going towards God. And Paul is writing this letter to remind them of who they were and who they are now. And then as a result of that, when chapters four, five and six, we see that there is a now what, which we'll look at in the future weeks. Paul is acknowledging that they now know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And as a result of that, they are different people. And be, the first prayer is a prayer asking God to give them enlightenment or to, to open their eyes to the truth that is before them. In a practical way, if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we want to connect and grow and serve in Christ, why would we ever go back and say, God, I'll just connect, grow, and serve in myself, in my own strength, in my own ability. That doesn't make sense at all. And that's what Paul's praying in that first prayer. And as he continues on and continues teaching about the wonderful truth that we, we have and the wonderful relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ, Paul comes to the end of a section. 
The first section is about who, as far as our salvation, of who we are. And the second section of the last half of the of the book of Ephesians, is talking about the practical, now I know Christ, now what? What do I do as a result? And this prayer is at the end of a section. So in a sense, he's written these things, and he's coming to the end of it and going, well, let's just take a moment and pray before we continue on. And this second prayer is a prayer asking God to enable them. And this is where we're going to make a change in our, in our prayer life. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with prayer requests and asking God to help the sick, help the needy, provide for us. I woke up this morning and I prayed through a number of people that were unwell that came to my mind. And also I prayed, God, will you please give me the strength and, and, and power that I need? Give me the ability that I need. You know, open my mind and heart. You know, there was, I was praying for myself. And as often we pray, we ask God to provide for our needs. We see throughout Scripture that we're, we're encouraged and, ch- and actually commanded to cast all our cares upon Him. In a real practical way, God, I'm going to cast all of my burdens upon you. But what we see here in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, is a different prayer. Rather than praying, God, will you give me this, 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 and this? It's praying, God, will you enable me to do what it is that you want me to do? Will you come along and Fill me and challenge me and equip me and strengthen me and dwell in me so that I can do the things that you are doing. Something as we've talked about as an overall theme through this series is that God is always at work around us. It's not up to us to come up with all the ideas. Thank God we don't have to come up with all the ideas. We simply see where God is working and he prompts our hearts and we join God in that work. And then we say, God, I'm joining you in what you are doing. Will you please enable me and equip me to accomplish the goals that you have? You imagine how difficult it is in life if we have to come up with all the ideas of how to transform our lives. How, God, I have to pray, and this is an incorrect prayer, specifically how you are going to provide for my needs, how you're going to provide for my health, how you're going to provide in my relationships. You imagine we have to come up with all the ideas on our own. We would be God, but we're not. So therefore, the difference in prayer in this passage, Paul is praying, God, I see where you're working I want to pray this for the church in Ephesus. And let's take this on ourselves. The church in Bunbury. We'll make a widen out a little bit. Those of you who live outside of Bunbury. The church in the southwest of Western Australia. And pray that we will be enabled to accomplish the goals that God has for us. Ephesians chapter number 3, verses 14 through 21. I'm going to read that passage for for us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And he concludes with this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory to the church and in Christ Jesus through, throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This morning we're going to look at four different prayers of submission. Here's the challenge. We want to submit ourselves to join God in what He is doing and where He is working. And as we submit this in prayer, it opens up the doors of opportunity. There's four points for us. The first point is strength. The second is depth. The next is comprehension. And the final one is fullness, which we find, we find all these points straight out of the Scripture here. We're going to be looking at these various prayers. And as we begin going through this, there may be one or two of these that jump out in your mind. You go, God, I, I feel your prompting now. This is what I need to be praying for. I need to be praying for spiritual strength. I need to be praying for spiritual depth. I need to be praying for spiritual comprehension and understanding. I need to be praying for spiritual fullness. And God may prompt you with all four. Or may prompt you with one. But as we go through this, I want us to be very open to what it is that God has for us today. Based upon His Word, not our preconceived ideas or opinions. Let's see what the Bible teaches. First of all, we see the prayer of submission for strength. Have you ever asked God, God, just give me the strength to get through today? And then you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, God, give me the strength to get through just another day. And we see here that we're not just talking about God, give me the strength physically or God, give me the strength financially to get through another day or give me, you know, just give me the knowledge I need for another day. We're actually talking about here the spiritual strength. And where do we find the spiritual strength? Let's read in verse number 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with what? It says, with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is God not giving me physical strength. This is God giving me spiritual strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is absolutely wonderful. When we pray, all three members of the Trinity are actively involved in prayer. Just like all three members of the Trinity, that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, are actively involved in your salvation. God is the one that does the saving. Jesus Christ 
made the sacrifice, that made the covering for our sins that God accepted on our behalf. And then finally, the Holy Spirit comes along and seals our salvation. And with that sealing, He enables us through His power and strength to accomplish the goals that God wants us to accomplish. And that's one, something that's really beautiful when Jesus teaches in John chapter number 14, 15, and 16. He's teaching His disciples about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's role is. And the Holy Spirit, He says, will bring all things. In other words, what God wants you to know when you're reading the Bible, he'll bring it to, to, to light. That still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, which is often a shout in your ear saying, go talk to that person, or don't do that, or go over there. There was a still, small voice in my own personal heart when I, had, I felt a call to ministry. And it wasn't a still, small, Michael, you should become a pastor. It was... Michael, get up and go. It was a strong, and it wasn't an audible voice where I go, you know, speak, Lord. It was, I knew it was God speaking to me in the, in, the, in the depth of my heart. And it was a shout in my ear that I knew that it was God's prompting. Because in my mind, for me to do, to accomplish, uh, arrive where I am today, there was a number of steps that had to take place that are things that physically I didn't have the ability to do at that time. Financially, I could not afford to do the next step. For me, it was God wants me to go to Bible college in America. That was a big deal. I had to leave my family and country and move to another country. I'm glad I did. That's where I met my wife. But I moved to another country. God, how are you going to provide? I didn't have the physical ability. All I knew was, God, you're going to have to give me the spiritual strength to follow through with what you've called me to do. Have you felt that? We see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life in Romans chapter number 8. It's a beautiful passage in Romans chapter 8. Let me challenge you to read that, that chapter and with salvation in mind and personalize it for yourself. But it says there in verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are declared not guilty. There's no condemnation. When I say personalize that, when it says for those, put your own name in there. Personalize it and say, I'll put my own name. You put your name as I read it. There is, is therefore now no condemnation for Michael. Put your own name in there. For Michael, who is in Christ Jesus. It continues on in verse number nine. You, personalize that. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, again, we're personalizing this, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. We have incredible evidence of our salvation is the fact that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. Spirit of God dwells in you. We also have not just the evidence, we have the enablement. Jesus Christ teaches that right before he ascended to heaven in Acts chapter number one, there's, there's an incredible short little dialogue between Jesus and his followers. And at that time, they were still confused about uh, what was going to take place. And they were wanting Jesus Christ to come through as the conquering Messiah and drive out the Romans. And they asked them, are you going to bring in your king kingdom now? 
In other words, is it going to happen right now? In Acts chapter number one, verses six through eight, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, God knows, leave it up to God. But he continues on in verse number eight. And verse number eight is a challenge to us even today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We have a prayer for strength. God, please give me the strength and enablement that I need through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in my own strength and ability. It continues on and we see there's a prayer of submission for depth. God, I want to go deeper than just the surface level of I know in my head that there is a God. I want to know God with depth and intimately. The passage continues on in verse number 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. There's three words I want to bring out here. The first word is the word dwell. Dwell by faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That word dwell literally means to settle down and feel at home. So I study that word out. That's the Greek definition of that word translated as dwell means to settle down and feel at home. You think about praying, Christ, I want you to settle down and feel at home in my life. That's being incredibly open and vulnerable. Be careful praying that prayer because God through his Holy Spirit may come in and have to clear out some area and make some wonderful room in your lives for him to properly dwell. You ever heard the phrase that we ask Jesus to come into our hearts? Now, it's a very simplistic definition or description of salvation when it's used that way. But that's what we see here after the fact. We know Christ as our Savior. Now we're praying, God, I want to make room for you to come and live in my heart, in my life. So therefore, my thoughts become your thoughts. My ways become your ways. My attitudes and the way I see the world around me becomes the way that Christ sees it. You imagine how different your life and your family and your relationships will be if we allow Jesus and I say, God, Will you please let Jesus come dwell in my heart? Let his attitudes be my attitudes. Let his focuses be my focuses. Next word is the word rooted. That we are rooted in love. And it has the understanding of going down deep. As I was studying this out, a, a thought came to my mind. A couple of years ago, my son Caden, along with, with Alvin Visser, who's here today somewhere, they had a sleepover and I used them. And I, because I said, yes, you can have a sleepover, but I'm going to use you on Saturday. We got up really early, like 6 a.m. We drove to a little place um, north of here, and a guy was giving away grass trees. And on the photograph, honestly, I honestly thought it was like this tall. Except after we cut all the little sticks off of it, it was this tall, plus the roots. It was huge. 
and we dug it out. And of course, it began to rain because that's typical. And we dug it out and we, I did my research beforehand. And if you know anything about grass trees, they are very, very picky and they die very easily. And we were careful and I used and abused their, the boys' muscles. And they got up and they pulled it in and it literally used all of our strength. And, and of course, I'm very strong. And we picked it up, we slid it in, and we put it in the ground. I followed the directions and everything we're supposed to do to the best of my ability. And it looked really good for a while. And then I could tell it started to yellow here and there. And the little things began to grow, and I had hope that it was going to grow. And then eventually, after the course of a year, because they're very slow dyers, and eventually I had to dig it out of the ground, and when I dug it out of the ground, I found that there was actually no new roots at all. There was no way that plant was ever going to make it because it actually didn't send roots out in, in, into the soil at all. It just was eating itself from the inside out for a year or two. In fact, it was probably two years before it finally died. With our own lives, we want to have our root system into something of substance. We don't want to just live off of what we currently know. We want to go down deeper into the, in the depths of, of his love. I don't want to base my, my current relationship on, on Christ's love for me a decade ago. I want to be experiencing it in the here and now, receiving that wonderful nourishment of his love in the here and now. We become also not just rooted in love, we become grounded in love. We see being grounded in love. We see the thought of a, of a building with a foundation. And the foundation goes deep. And there's a picture on the screen. As the foundation goes deep into the ground, there's a statement that was made about skyscrapers. It says, if you don't go deep, you can't go high. I want to go high. But if we're just talking about surface things all the time, we need to go and begin to grow, become more spiritually mature and growing deeper into our grounding of our faith. Because something I'm discovering, and I make sure I say discovering, not discovered a, a while ago, is the more that I get into God's Word, the, 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 the accounts and scriptures that I may have read a hundred times before, as we begin to, to delve into them deeper in the grounding, you know, it's wonderful. Truths begin to come out. You go, I never saw that. God, thank you for revealing that to me. And you, in your Bible reading, it's not something, oh, I have to read my chapters today to get through them. Now we're looking for things because there's truth that we can find in God's word that we can apply to our lives. With a prayer of submission in regards to strength, in regards to depth, we also have the prayer of submission in regards to comprehension. This is comprehension. That word comprehension in the Greek, as it's translated here, means to grasp, to hold on to, quite literally, to catch. I thought it was a wonderful way to describe it. I want to catch what God is throwing. If God's throwing out truth, and this is a very simplistic illustration, if God is throwing out truth, I want to be ready to catch it. And God, I'm going to pray that you will enable me to catch what it is that you are throwing out. It says in verses 18 and 19, May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You've heard of 3D. 
This isn't 3D. This is four-dimensional comprehension. He says there, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. My understanding of this passage is basically Paul, when he's writing this and he's praying this prayer, is saying, I want to comprehend absolutely every aspect. That's why he says the depth and the length and the, the height and the breadth. He says everything. I want, to, I want it to know it all. So whatever it is that you're throwing out, whatever the truth is, I want to be ready to catch it wherever it's coming from. That's the comprehension he's talking about there. To fully experience, it says in verse number 19, to know the love that surpasses knowledge. I want to know something that surpasses knowledge. Stop and think about that for a moment. You ever notice that your faith makes no sense to your unsafe family and friends? They look at you and go, you're weird. What you believe in your mindset doesn't line up with the world's worldview. What we see here is it's a prayer of, of submission. God, I want to know what it is that you want me to know. I want to catch what it is that you want me to catch so that I can know the love of Christ, to fully experience the love of Christ that surpasses simple head knowledge. That surpasses something that we can get a degree in and just go, yes, I ticked all the boxes, I answered all the questions. I want to go beyond that and actually experience it for myself. That's the prayer that we find here. This goes beyond understanding to know the love of Christ. This is not cognitive head knowledge. This is an experiential knowledge. It's a state of being in the love of Christ. But it's not just, here's the facts. He's not going to force feed us. There's also an aspect with this comprehension of acceptance. I want you to think about it for a moment. God can tell you the truth. It's up to us to say, God, will you give me a tender heart so that I will accept what is true? When you are prompting me to do something that I can't, doesn't make sense to me, I don't have the physical, financial, educational ability to do that right now, and God says, I want you to do something, and it's scary, God, will you please give me acceptance? Will you help me to accept what it is that you're throwing out, as it were, to use that illustration? In preparation for this message, I was studying this out, and I was hit to this point right here, and the song, Stand in Your Love, came to my mind. And I thought, that's a great song. It's a song we sing here in church. And as I was humming it along to myself, I thought to myself, I literally said this, I really hope that we sing this on Sunday. And then I opened the email up, and you know what the email said? Well, guess what our closing song is today? The song, Stand in Your Love. The, the first verse and the chorus is on the screen. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. And the chorus says this, which I hope you sing this really loud later on. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. When God calls us to do something, it's terrifying in ourselves. It's scary because you cannot connect and grow and serve effectively in your own strength and own power. There's ministries that we have within our church that we often go back and we evaluate later on and go, God, we don't know how that works so well because we know that it wasn't us. And God gets all the glory for it. 
So when God calls us to do something, it's scary. But I love that last line. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. That's the comprehension. It goes beyond just simple head knowledge. We also see there a prayer of fullness. A prayer, I want to be full of everything that you're giving to me. There's a silly, and very silly, YouTube guy that I've been watching. And you know, you click on one time and you get all the videos for them. And he's a guy, he's from England, and he has this big beard, and he is one of the men that does competition eating. And he eats incredible things. Like they have these burgers that are like this, this tall, and it's like multiple patties and palm patties with bacon and cheese. One of the things he ate the other day, he had two pounds of French fries on, on the side. After he ate all these things, I mean, granted, I, I could imagine his cholesterol level was incredible. But he, and he eats it. And I look at that and go, I mean, it looks pretty delicious. But I don't think I can get through that. And he's like going along and he's having a good conversation. And it, of course, granted, he has a big beard, so it, and it probably hides it in his beard. That's what he does. And he just, he stuffs himself full. And you look at that and think, how is that humanly possible? And as gross as that is to watch, but I watch it again and again. As gross as that is to watch, you go, it's because he's trained himself. He didn't just wake up one day and go, I think I'm going to break a record. I think I'm going to eat all this hamburger. He goes and begins to train himself. Now, as, as silly as it is to be a, a, a competitive eater, we see here that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We sometimes use the incorrect length to measure. We get a tape measure out, and if you are calling out feet and inches on the tape measure, and someone else is interpreting that as centimeters and meters, you're going to get a total, absolutely wrong length on things. Sometimes in our own lives, we use the wrong unit of measurement when we're, we're comparing ourselves with being full of Christ. Because we think that we begin to compare ourselves with in our minds, the worst person we could possibly compare ourselves with, and we look at them and go, well, at least I'm not like them. I'm not too bad. But what we find here in Scripture is that we want to be filled with the fullness of who? Of God. So therefore, the standard isn't our standard we base upon somebody else that we try to find, because you always find someone better, you always find someone worse than yourself when we use the wrong unit of measurement. What we find here is our measurement is in Jesus Christ. He's the standard. So therefore, we're always seeking to move forward and always seeking to be filled. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He is the correct unit of measurement. Positionally, that we are called in Christ. We are positionally in, in Colossians chapter number 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, For in him the whole fullness, that in him, that is Jesus Christ. So in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, that is filled in Christ, who is the head of all the rule and authority. So positionally, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible teaches that we are full in Christ. But we need to begin living 
full in Christ and allowing God to be the prompt there, allowing Him to be the standard, allowing Him to be the one that convicts us, not another person around us to use guilt or to use peer pressure. We must go back to God and say, God, how do you want me to be full of you? Also, in the practically speaking, there are resources that God has. There's knowledge that God has that He's ready to give to us. This is the opposite of a get-rich-quick scheme. This is simply, God, I want to be practically where you want me to be. I want you to open up the door. I want to give you permission to enable me as you open up doors of opportunity to walk through them. And we see practically speaking there in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. But be filled with the Spirit. If you had a car though sitting on the side of the road, as strong as you are and as fast as you are, there's absolutely no way that you can push that car as fast or as far as you can by just simply turning the car on and driving it. As fast as you are and as strong as you are, there's no way you can push that car as far or as fast as you can by simply turning on the power and driving it. So my challenge in the illustration there is that we have incredible power. We have incredible ability. We have tremendous opportunity. Why would we try to do that on our own? As a local church, that's something that we often evaluate. Who's the driving force behind this? Is it God? Have you opened up this door of opportunity? Or are we having to push through it? And if we're having to push through it, then it's probably not the fullness of God. In a few moments' time, we're going to spend some time in prayer. This is something we've not done in, in a practical sense before, so it's a little bit different. And it's going to take several minutes, and we're going to be in, in personal silence but the music will be playing in the background around us. And I want to finish with a verse, which is verses 20 and 21. And then on the screen, we'll have the four points that we will talk through today. And my challenge to you is you have the communion cups in your hand. You'll be able to take these in your own time. After praying and examining yourselves, as it teaches in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, it says each person is to examine themselves. Spend some time examining yourself and allowing God to speak to you. Maybe it's something very practical in regards to, I, I do. Maybe it's something that he needs to clearing, clean out of your life. But as you pray and you spend time in prayer, we're going to spend several minutes. After that, you can, in your own time, Take the communion, take the bread, and then take the juice. And then at the, in the close of that, I will come back up and we'll spend some time uh, uh, closing in prayer, and then we'll sing that song, Stand in Your Love, as a celebration as we go out. And as we go out today, I want to be the same as we arrived. In, in Ephesians chapter number 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's spend some time in prayer.